Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we've got a lot to talk about. So, uh, first of all, Colorado is going to play Oregon tomorrow. That is that is the quarterfinal matchup. It's no surprise, you know. I will say that like my my hopes of playing Oregon State kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, Andrew Hobner, who you guys might remember, he, he went to see you. He's, like, involved on Twitter. He now works in Oregon. He was saying, like, yeah, you know, Oregon State might have a chance. Like, that, the plus 350, that might be a sneaky good bet for them to pull this out. You know, there, there were some good vibes around Oregon State. It didn't, it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, we'll dig into that game in a second. Uh, real quick. Just gotta gotta set the stage here. So it is it's about five o'clock Vegas time. So that game ended thirty minutes ago. I left the arena and came straight back here to record this podcast to write about this matchup coming up tomorrow. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write that pretty quickly because there there are Vegas things that need to be done. Um, we haven't talked since I was in Denver. Since then, we uh, obviously came to Vegas. It's me, it's Marissa Saez, who runs DMVR's social media. She's been on this podcast. You guys know her. Uh, Ryan Green, who is now the head of video production, director of video, I don't know, something of video production that means he's important. Uh, you guys probably know him from Twitter, if you guys are Twitter people. Uh, Justin Michael covers CSU for us. And that's uh, that's the squad that we got out here. Um, also some PH next people, some like CU friends, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And so far it's been a good time. You know, I was at, I was at Shake Shack to like one in the morning last night. That's a dream, especially because you know, when you travel, it can be like, I got to the airport for the 820 flight and was like, wait a minute. I haven't, I, I, I had a bagel from Starbucks like 10 hours ago. And that's, uh, that's been it for the day just busy and so that that burger from Shake Shack which I should not promote on a podcast without getting money or free food or something um it, it was it was exactly what I needed at 12 30 this morning um since then you know we woke up walked over to Starbucks I walked up and up and down the strip a little bit and uh then just hunkered down at that arena and watched basketball uh, caught most of the first game uh Missed like half of the second half just because there's free media food and it was time to eat. Um, but then also obviously caught Oregon, Oregon State. So there's a there's a little catch up on my life, which I'm sure you guys, are, that's what you're here for. You guys want to hear about 
me. Uh, just kidding. No, you guys want to hear about that basketball game, and let's just dig in. Um, it's always hard to start talking about basketball. So what you have to do is come into the show prepared. And be like, here's where we start. Here's where. I typically don't do that because it feels fake and fraudulent and all that sort of stuff. So let's just start with the biggest picture, and that's that Oregon State gave Oregon a, a pretty decent fight. It wasn't. It wasn't like they went down to the wire. It wasn't like it was a back-and-forth game. It wasn't like Oregon State even had a lead. I, I don't know that they had a lead in that entire game. I think Oregon led from the first basket on to the end of the game. There were a couple of times like toward the toward the end of the first half, like not at it, the, the lead expanded again, but they were like down two, and then all of a sudden they, they give up, I think, back-to-back turnovers with wide-open layups, and there's fouls in there, and they just kind of fell apart. And that was in terms of just like the shape of the game, the arc of the game. Typically, I think Oregon jumped out to like an 11-0 lead. That, that wound up being like a 24 to... to 20 lead at one point and you're like okay they the the, the beavers are they're, they're back in it they've, they've given themselves a chance and then all of a sudden they're they're down by 12 again and you're just like ah and, and that's basically how that game went for the 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 duration was just oregon gets the lead to 10 or 11 typically 11 oregon state brings it down to six and then 11 and then six and then 11 and then six and then next thing you know, I mean, in those last probably eight minutes or so, I think I think they're sitting there. What Oregon's up seventy to sixty four. It's a two possession game, um, but I mean, what is this? It's a sixteen to eight run to close the game. Eighty six to seventy two is the final score. And just again, before we dig into details here, before we talk about matchups and what what Colorado's up against tomorrow. I do want to say that I think I think in general Colorado fans should be excited by what they saw because what they saw was that Oregon didn't just stomp Oregon State. You know, they were never able to close that game out. Um they they were never able to to hold that lead to, to what they should have been able to hold it to. You know, Oregon State had chances to get back in, but then they turned the ball over, or they wouldn't be able to get stops, or whatever would happen happened. And the truth is that game should have been a dominant win for Oregon. And while they did wind up winning by 14 points, it wasn't that dominant. You know, we, we talk about like the Utah game with Colorado on Saturday where Colorado's leading by 20 plus points. I think it gets up to like 29 points. They wind up winning by 13 and you're like, "Ah, that was that was a less tight game. Um that that was that was more of a blowout than that score would would point to. And while Oregon State never was like, "Okay, here they go. Here's their chance to win it." They at least were within an arm's length most of the time and when they weren't they were able to get back to it and this game was closer than a 14 point win I mean I think 14 points that was their biggest lead of the game um so just big picture Oregon State I can't say like they gave it a great run like they were just about there but considering that Oregon State has won three of their 30 games and now three of their 31 games this season I mean 
you expect more from Oregon. And and again, like we realize the circumstance Oregon is in. Coming into this game, they had they had lost five of their last six, and they also are down Will Richardson. Uh, they they don't have Will Richardson for this tournament. That's a problem. That's a really big problem because that's their leading scorer. And because of that, it you know, on top of that, you know, he's good for three and a half assists a game, grabbing four boards a game. That's that's their best player. And they lose him after a stretch where they finished one of six. So there's there's some problems going on with Oregon. And while they were able to overcome them enough against Oregon State, in general, like I would just say, Colorado, the Buffs should feel good about this game. They should feel good about what's on the way. And that's that's my biggest takeaway. Um, real quick, let's let's talk about a couple of our friends, and then we'll really, really dig deep into this game and start talking about what these matchups look like for tomorrow and, and really where where the opportunities are for the Buffs, because I think they have some. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and for good reason. It's great stuff. You know, it's it's crazy that at this point, it's actually better to be a better in Colorado than it is in Vegas. Like, the, the, the way that people have to bet here, I guess now they have, they have one of the apps. We don't need to talk about which one. But you have to go to a sportsbook, and you have to make your bets before the game starts. It's like living in 1980, and... Although I do love Vegas, that part of it really sucks. I miss being back at home, although I would have lost some money betting on Oregon State because I bet with my heart. Uh, if you want to bet on any of these conference tournaments, there are some awesome promotions going on at DraftKings Sportsbook. The best one is for new users. All you got to do is bet $5 on any team to win, and you get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, then you win. Uh, so definitely get in on that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code DMVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Athletic Greens. Uh, so, Athletic Greens is basically from the future the way it works is they take about 55 of the best things for you uh most of them are green which is why it turns out to be green which is why it's athletic greens and nobody should be surprised by that because green things are good for you Uh, but they basically mix it all down you put one little scoop in your water in the morning or at night or basically whenever you want to do that and it helps you it's uh it's it's helped a lot of people the scientists say it's good uh and we we like the scientists plus i mean i've been doing it for like a month now. We have Ryan and Justin are here now. Guys, I look more athletic, right? We like the scientists. Though. Yeah. Oh, and we like the scientists. And we like the scientists. Yeah, we love uh, we love Athletic Greens. They're a great partner of ours. I'm really excited to keep drinking green things because I know that green things are good for me, but I don't eat them very often because I'm irresponsible. Uh, if you want to get in on Athletic Greens, first of all, you're making a great decision, but also... You can get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five tree, five free travel packs, not trees. Oh, speaking of trees, that Stanford tree today, my goodness, it's wild. Like, the man is inside. They just have, like, I guess whatever the cardinal is just has, like, eight leaves, and so they have, like, the leaves all around, and then 
all he can do is dance with his legs. He's just out there kicking and clicking his heels together and high-stepping and all that stuff. Everybody hates it except for him, but he can't tell because he's inside a tree. Um, back to the word free, though. Five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs and you'll be all set. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash buffs to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The scientists tell you to do it. Um, okay, back into this basketball game. So like I said, big picture, Oregon gave Oregon State plenty of chances to get into that game, but Oregon State didn't take any of them. They were able to cut it from like 11 to 6 and then 11 to 6 and 11 to 6, but then never really pulled into making it a real game one of the reasons for that is that Oregon State's big man whose name I don't know and whose name I don't intend to learn because he was so bad he kept getting open looks at the rim and my goodness could he not make them it's crazy what was going on uh he like first of all and I we don't need to be bashing what's his name at this point but like he never caught the ball on his first try like it would bounce off his hands and then he'd grab it, and then all of a sudden there's a guy in front of him, and he would just throw a brick up. And it's just stuff like that that causes so many problems for that team. They're getting opportunities. They just blow every single one of them. Like, they're doing, the, they're doing things like passing the ball to where a player used to be, and it just rolls into the backcourt, and you're just like, oh, okay. I don't have the fast break stats in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that the paint points, the fast break points, all that sort of stuff is uh i mean that's well in favor of oregon sorry i stuttered a little bit there because i'm still looking at these ads apparently brendan vote has ibs um so let's 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 make sure we get that in there share the info um yeah on top of that i'm not sure if we mentioned this yet but oregon doesn't have will richardson and now that i think of it we definitely did and that that hurt them as well there's there's just a lack of of scoring punch you know Oregon was really great in transition and I mean really I guess driving to the bucket as well like they were able to just blow by most of those Oregon State defenders but again I put most of that just on Oregon State not having not not having Pac-12 quality basketball players like that's just a program that is not in a good place and and Oregon was getting so many easy opportunities that I think really dry up when they play the buffs. And on top of that, you know, to, to me, this next game is going to come down to how does CU play? Because Oregon has proven that they have a pretty clear ceiling, especially without Will Richardson. They, they can get the easy buckets. They're not going to do much else. If Colorado locks in and plays defense like it has in these past two games against Arizona and Utah they should easily win. And and I think that's probably my biggest point here is that if they just play their own game and they continue to show effort and focus on details and not just do dumb things or pout when they miss shots, like all of the very simple like details, that, not even details, like the fundamental type of stuff, don't turn the ball over all that much, they're, they should be in decent shape to win this game. Um... I do think the the one thing that really scares you from a Colorado perspective is Oregon's big man, Nefali Dante. So he actually went down in the second half, and it turned out it probably just a cramp because he was back in there pretty quickly after. But when he goes down, he's like six foot eleven, and he's grabbing his knee. You're just like, oh no, this poor guy. Like Oregon can't 
withstand another loss of a really good player. Um, but but he was kind of the force. I, he he was blocking shots. He was doing a lot of damage at the rim. He had a few really really just massive dunks. I, I'm just looking through the stats now. He had five blocks in that game. And again, like the the big man for Oregon State. He's one of those guys who, like, there's the stat where it's, like, 12% or 40% or something like that of all people in America who are 7 feet tall. Or maybe it's in the entire world. I don't really know the stat, obviously. Uh, but but they're in the NBA, like, currently in the NBA. It's, like, a weirdly big number of people who are 7 feet tall. And there's a bunch of factors in that. In this case, it's, like, if you're six foot eleven, then there's a good chance you're going to be playing Division One college basketball somewhere. And that's kind of why he is here. Whereas somebody like Nefali Dante, just a freak, and he's blocking shots, he's he's dunking the ball, he's forcing double teams, and it's there was just no answer for him. And and I wonder how exactly Colorado guards him. I think it has to start with Evan Batty, and I think that you probably like that matchup just because he's so strong. You know, you still worry about him on the other end of the court, you know, causing some chaos in the paint, especially with CU's guards. You want them getting downhill. You you want them trying to get to the free throw line. Somebody like Nefali Dante could cause some issues in there and force the Buffs to take tough shots. Um, we've talked about this before, but I, I really think in this first game in particular, Colorado cannot be relying on the three-point line. Um they're, they they finished the Pac, the Pac-12 season as the best three-point shooting team in the conference. But when you go to a new environment, just expecting the shots to fall, and tournament environments in general, it's a bad idea. Like You really need to be focusing on getting looks at the rim. That's what you're looking for. And if you get an open three, you, you can't pass it up. But you have to play inside out. And with somebody like Nefali Dante, that becomes just a little bit more challenging. Um you know, I'm. I wonder what did he do. I don't remember against Colorado. Uh, pulling it up. There we go. Yeah, four points against Colorado when they won four points in the other game. So again, yeah, he hasn't really been a factor, I've, which I'm really happy about. If he had dropped twenty in one of those games and I didn't remember it, I would have felt pretty dumb. Uh, but he hasn't been that big of an issue before. I think that this was just the product of of the Oregon State team that he was going up against. Still, though, you you have you have some concerns. Uh, the big story for Oregon was uh, Jacob Young. Jacob is his first name. Uh, he looks kind of funny out there wearing his number forty two, but we don't have time to dig into why that's such a bad number. Uh, he's a guard, putting up about twelve points a game this season, fairly efficiently. He's Eh, not much of a three-point threat, but but he was one of those guys who could just blow by whoever Oregon State put on him. And again, like we've seen this Colorado team shut down guys like Benedict Matherin, and so you don't have to worry too much about the players who are playing in place of Will Richardson. At least you shouldn't have to. You know, you don't want to jinx it. There was the there was the Isaac Bonton situation when they played Washington State two years ago, where he just goes and breaks Clay Thompson's three-point record. And the Buffs wind up going home early when they they clearly had a more talented team. Um, 
But Jacob Young, you know, he's, he was good getting to the rim. He had 11 assists in the game because they had to collapse that defense in on him. Again, like, it's, it's just so hard to compare what happens against Oregon State to what will happen against Colorado. Because, again, there's just, like, the clear talent def- differential, but also the way they play. You know, Oregon State really likes to go to that zone defense. And this team this year, for whatever reason, because I don't even... I honestly think there's a chance they don't have any freshmen on that team, or they only have like one freshman on the team. They shouldn't be this bad, but in particular, they should know how to play the defenses that they run. It's it's just shocking to watch them fall apart, and how often there's just a wide open lane to the rim, or somebody just de- decides not to guard the guy with the ball and goes and guards some guy in the corner th- three. It just it's it's frustrating to watch, and I think that. You can look at 86 points for Oregon and say, wow, that's a big number. You know, the Buffs are going to have to put up some points to compete with that. It's like, yeah, if Oregon wins the game tomorrow, it's probably going to be because of that offense and not because of that defense. Oregon State, though, with that defense that just collapses and collapses and collapses, it's so bad. I mean, they gave up 82 points per game this year. I think that's one of the 10 worst in the country. It's easily the worst in the Pac-12. I think the second worst was like 76 or something. Again, it's the fact that this game was, I mean, not back and forth, but Oregon kept pulling to within four points or pulling to within six points and just couldn't get over the hump because they shot themselves in the foot over and over and over and over again. It's it's a really good sign for CU. It's a really good sign for CU. And nothing is easy in March. Like, you can't look at this and say, oh, well, I guess the Buffs have an easy one because it's not easy. It's a game in March. But, I mean, if if Colorado plays the way that, that they played, even, even just the average of that Utah game, you know, let's throw Arizona out because they knocked off number two in the country, expecting that sort of performance is way too much. That Utah game, where they lead consistently, I mean, that lead got up to 27, 29, whatever, and it dwindled there at the end, but even factoring in when they kind of let off the gas a little bit, that performance is going to beat Oregon, and I think that you have to be pretty confident and and excited for this game knowing that, Um, because Oregon-Colorado on paper, should be a really, really competitive game. When you look at the net rankings, when you look at what Ken Palm has to say about the offenses and the defenses, and you, you look through all the stats for the season, but then you remember Oregon's down its best player. Oregon's lost five of its last six. The Buffs have won seven of their last eight, including against number two in the country. And or, or and Colorado's such a young team that this is kind of what we expected. Maybe not going on a seven of eight run and beating Arizona, but we knew that they were going to play their best basketball at the end of the season, and it's a shame they couldn't have just pulled out one more win at some point so they didn't need to win this tournament to, to go to March Madness because this is a team that is easily good enough to be playing there. You know, you, you throw the buffs in March Madness, and they're going to be just as competitive as anybody else who's, you know, one of the last five, six, seven, eight, whatever teams to, to get the, uh, the wild card or whatever they call it in this sport. I, uh, I, I, I think that in this game, the, the, the battle between Jabari Walker and uh, the, the big guy from Oregon, that's going to be the one to watch because when, when you see the things that happen, you know there were just – Dante would have a possession where he goes and has like a big put-back dunk and everybody's on their feet, 
and then have a block on the other end. And you just need Jabari Walker to have an answer for those situations. And if he can also give you like his 20 and 12 or whatever he's averaging in the last 10, 15 games, that's great too. But you just need that energy from him. When you look at the... I guess the other thing with Dante is, like I mentioned before, Evan Batty needs to be able to body him up and make things tough and and kind of just match that physical presence. In the backcourt, just no turnovers. I think that that more than anything is is the way that the Buffs could kind of doom themselves is by turning the ball over. And they've been a lot better the last couple games. Before that, for most of the season, you didn't go three games without hitting 20 which is just unacceptable and if you turn the ball over 20 times you're not going to beat just about anybody and and as long as I do think that Julian Hammond is probably still starting at point guard for the third game I mean two really great performances from the team and his two other starts I think that they ride with him through a third game in a row third career start for him he's that guy you know, he's, he's not going to put up the numbers that Keyshawn can or that KJ can, but he can go out there, run an offense, not turn the ball over, pick up three assists in 15, 20 minutes, whatever, and you call that good and say, Jabari, Tristan Da Silva, whoever, you guys are going to go decide this game for us. And then when KJ and Keyshawn come in, which is probably going to happen together, I think that they're going to get a lot of run together on the court that's where you need them to have that that spark off the bench. Um, when when you know whether it's Jabari sitting or Tristan sitting, whatever, you need those guys to step up and and fill it up. You know, Keyshawn needs to hit from deep. KJ needs to get to the rim. He needs to hopefully get some fouls on Dante. We'll see how how that goes. But as long as those guards can avoid the turnovers, uh, I. You get, to, you get to play a conservative game here. It's like Tad always says, you know, when you're playing a team that's better than you, you have to focus, about, uh, focus on what they do and try to adjust and, and tweak your lineup to, to make the matchups better and realize, like, are we running the pick and roll? Are we run this motion? What, what are we doing offensively? You have to use – you have to let them dictate sort of. When you're playing a team that isn't probably as good as you are right now, you just go play your own game. You don't screw it up. I think that that's the recipe. I think if Colorado goes in there tomorrow, just don't do dumb things. Commit to playing good defense. Commit to running the offense. Move when you're off the ball. And hopefully get some three-point luck, too. And that that would be kind of the X factor for, again, the Buffs team that finished the season shooting better than 36% from three, best in the Pac-12. Everything is laid out for the Buffs to win this one. You know, when it when it comes to time to to beat Arizona, it's uh it's gonna be a challenge. But as of right now, you have to like this matchup. I I think that's all I got. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow after the game to talk about the game and hopefully to preview the next game too. And hopefully there is another game. Uh, but like I said, that that's all I've got for today. If you guys have any thoughts, as always, leave them in the comments. We'll get to those. Uh, If you guys have any cool spots in Vegas, definitely let me know about that. And uh, I'll talk to you all tomorrow.